Today is Earth Day, which always kind of makes me laugh because shouldn't every day be Earth Day? To me, it's like being in Italy and announcing you're going to go out for Italian food. You're in Italy! It's all Italian food. But anyway, yay Earth. As someone who loves the Earth, I get really stressed out about throwing things out and seeing good, usable stuff wind up in trash heaps. I love rehoming and repurposing the many interesting things that one can find on the sidewalks in trashes of garbage in New York City. And I am particularly keen on rehoming dog crates. For many years, I've suggested that our clients look in a buy nothing group or on trash nothing or on Craigslist to see if somebody is giving away a dog crate because so many people get rid of dog crates all the time. So in my opinion, you might as well take someone's used dog crate rather than letting that one go into landfill and then putting uh, money into Jeff Bezos's pocket so that he can go to space. And there's no space day, only Earth Day. Why are people getting rid of crates all the time? Because they suck. They're annoying to open, they're annoying to close, they look like little jails, they get rusty, they get grimy, they're ugly and they're hard to move. Which is why I am such a big fan of the Revol crate by Diggs, which is the only type of dog crate that we sell at storeforthedogs.com. The Revel folds down and then back up again with just one hand. It has wheels and a handle, making it so easy to travel with. It can open on two sides at once, which turns it into a kind of little dog cabana. And it also has an opening at the top, which I find really convenient to use when I'm delivering treats in training. Also, it's nice looking. I don't know how they did it, but this is a crate you will not throw out, you will not give it away. And as an Earth Day special, this weekend only, you can get it for 20% off. This is a coupon for podcast listeners only. You can find the crate at storeforthedogs.com and use code EARTHDAY20 at checkout. So something that drives me crazy is when I'm on the street training with Poppy, giving her treats, and someone else walks by with their dog, and their dog seems interested in saying hi, and I'm working keeping Poppy's focus on me, not because she has a problem or because she's reactive, just because we're working. And then the other person who's just standing there with their dog says like, oh, it's fine, my dog's friendly, as if what I'm doing has anything to do with whether or not their dog is friendly or not. And it's always frustrating to think about what to say in these situations. I usually say something like, oh, we're just doing some training, or oh, my dog's friendly too. Today I had a thought of what could be said in those situations. In French, there's a term called l'esprit de l'escalier, which is like when you think of the perfect thing to say after something is over. I thought, if someone says to me, oh, it's okay, my dog is friendly, I could just turn around and say, oh yeah? Well, I'm not! make both them and their dog leave you alone.
Grossman, owner and co-founder of School for the Dogs at East 7th Street. You can sometimes find me there behind the desk. I curate our retail store, which is also online at storeforthedogs.com. If you don't know about School for the Dogs, check us out. We do so much great training both in New York City and virtually. We are located on East 7th in Manhattan and uh, yeah, schoolforthedogs.com or at schoolforthedogs on Instagram. If you're new here, go back in time (laughs) to 2018 and you can uh, listen to the first couple episodes where I talk about what kind of dog training we do at School for the Dogs and sort of introduce how um, I got into dog training, how it sort of started to affect my worldview, our business, etc., etc. Anyway, just wanted to get out of the way as I have lopped the intro off of uh, a lot of the episodes recently. Today, I just wanted to share a couple experiences I had over the last week with dogs uh, outside of School for the Dogs in my total civilian life. One was with my dog, Poppy. I was walking her around the block, our regular afternoon constitutional, and this girl, maybe like 12 years old with her mother, um, ran over to us super eager to say hi to Poppy and Poppy actually doesn't get approached that much in my experience by people necessarily wanting to say hi to her, not as much as uh, Amos, my old late Yorkie Poo did. He was very fluffy, little tiny cute black dog, looked like he was battery operated, had an adorable jaunty little step, and people often wanted to say hi to him, but Poppy... Uh, I also work a lot with Poppy outside on keeping her focus on me uh, and rewarding her a lot. So I don't know. We we don't do a whole lot of interacting with people outside. She's she's, uh, very sensitive and anxious, and um, I am mostly interested in um, cultivating good feelings for her about being outside, and uh, I think that makes our walks focused and people probably see that focus and and generally don't come up and say can I pet your dog but this girl was um super excited about Poppy who is very adorable and generally uh likes likes people especially if they're enthusiastic about her so I might have thought differently about letting her say hi but I happen to have Uh, huge amounts of string cheese on me in my tree pouch. So I said to this girl, sure, you can say hi to her. Why don't you give her this little piece of cheese? And I knelt down next to Poppy to kind of encourage the girl to also get to her level. So she gave her the cheese and then she says, sit, sit. And I, I could just see this whole thing from Poppy's perspective. Poppy's like, here we are out on a walk on the New York City streets, already kind of a stressful thing. And this young, this young uh, person is all up in my face coming at me 
which doesn't usually happen. And she gave me cheese, and that was good. But now she's asking me to do something, and I it's not like I practice sitting all the time with strangers outside. I can tell I'm going into my poppy, my poppy voice here. She's like, this is a little weird. I, I don't know how I feel about this. <laughs> um, so I said to the girl, just tell her to be cute, which is like my go-to line. Be cute. Good job. And I guess she kind of laughed and was still giving her cheese. And then she was like, give me your paw. Do you know how to give paw? And she starts like reaching for Poppy's paw. At which point I was like, okay, this is enough. We have to go now. Because I was feeling like, what? Is she some circus animal meant to perform for you here? She's trying to survive on the streets of New York. And I just want her to feel good about this person coming up to her. And this person has these expectations that she should be suddenly, what, performing for her? And then the girl's mother said, you know, oh, she's been saying hi to every dog the last five blocks. I live like prime Manhattan, very busy. So there are a lot of dogs around and maybe maybe she was is from somewhere suburban or more rural where there aren't as many dogs walking down the street. I don't know. Anyway, I thought, wow, well, this, you know, well-intentioned girl and her well-intentioned mother are terrifying dogs in the neighborhood today because the girl has these ideas about how dogs should behave in relation to us that has nothing to do with how the dog is actually feeling. And, you know, of course, it stems from her liking dogs, but with no knowledge of, of, how, of how a dog is actually feeling. And if you like dogs, I, I don't know, I'm just getting all fired up about this. I guess the takeaway as a parent, I think, is if you have a kid who likes dogs, teach your kid a little bit about dogs and dog body language and, um, and, and help your kid understand that it's really important to help our dogs feel comfortable, especially in potentially stressful situations like a, a busy sidewalk in a busy city, um, long before you earn any kind of right to be asking them to do tricks. And uh, having, having a kid say, can I pet your dog, is not enough. So this brings me to anecdote number two, which uh, was yesterday, uh, and I was with Magnolia, my three-year-old. We were in the East Village in a, a little shop. I was uh, like the postal shop near School for the Dogs. I was um, dropping off some packages, and uh, she was in her stroller, and there was a dog in the shop. And the, the, the shop was pretty quiet. I think it was just us and these other people with the dog. And she said, oh, I want to go pet that dog. And the dog was already saying hi to some other person and uh, was sort of being, you know, friendly, kind of loose, wiggly. It was a big dog, like an older kind of Labrador, I think, with a graying face. And I hesitate to let Magnolia say hi to dogs because it's something that I want to make sure she's doing in the safest possible way way and I don't want her to develop the habit of just running up to dogs but we had a minute we weren't in a rush um we were inside the store which was pretty quiet the dog looked uh like I said he looked friendly and the owner said oh he's very friendly I said okay Magnolia you know gonna go up uh remember you put your hand out 
uh, let the dog smell your hand. And, you know, I should say, I don't think that there is one right way to greet a dog, just like there is not necessarily one right way for a dog to greet a person. It could depend on the dog. It can depend on the situation. But generally speaking, it's a good idea to let a dog come to you. And um, I think having, having her put her hand out lets the dog kind of approach and gives her something to do, lets, the, lets um, her interact in some way. I mean, better yet would have been if she had a treat to give the dog, but of course then it gets complicated because uh, you don't know if the dog can have those treats. Anyway, she was perfect and appropriate and sweet and put out her hand and the dog started sniffing her hand and um, and he was like, had a happy open mouth and was sort of tail waggy. And then the owner said, tell him to sit. Magnolia started saying, sit, 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 sit. And then the owner kind of pushed his butt down and right away I could just tell by the whole interaction, as soon as she said, tell him to sit, like that the dog was getting stressed out and started averting his eyes, showing the sides of his eyes, the whites of his eyes, doing some lip licks, backing up. And it went from this like perfectly fine little interaction to, um, to the situation where I could tell the dog was uncomfortable. And, uh, and then she started saying again, uh, give paw, give paw. And the dog actually gave the paw. I think the owner did it. I mean, at this point I was like trying to get Magnolia to back up a little bit. And I was saying, you know, like I, he doesn't need to do tricks. He's doing a fine job. Uh, anyway, this dog sat and gave his paw lip licking eyes averted the whole time. And, uh, and then I was waiting for the woman to like give him a treat. She didn't, she didn't even, she didn't even like pat him on the, the head or anything. I mean, there was like no like acknowledgement that he had just performed, even though we were an audience that didn't care. And, uh, and that was it. And I was just left feeling, um, sad. I was left feeling sad for the dogs of the world and the well-intentioned people who want their dogs to interact nicely with their their kids or their adults or with, with adults or whatever. Like everybody here wants the same thing. We all want kids to be safe. We all want dogs to be safe. We all want dogs that aren't stressed out. We want dogs who we can have with us in our busy city lives. And the missing piece is actually paying attention to the dogs and um, thinking about making them feel, helping them feel good in stressful situations. Anyway, in thinking about how easy it is for people who love dogs, people who have good intentions to screw up, or at least to screw up in the eyes of some other people, like the jury is still out on what is and isn't cruel when it comes to dealing with pets, specifically dogs. It made me think about an article I wrote just about exactly 10 years ago for the Boston Globe. It was an opinion piece called Animal Welfare is a Matter of Perspective. And I was asked to write this because Mitt Romney, who was then running for president, was in the news a lot because of something he had done with his dog many years earlier. While I was not particularly a fan of Romney's, I 
did think that it was sort of mm, hypocritical that the media was dragging him over the coals for the way he treated his dog. Anyway, I went back and read this piece and uh, thought I would share it with you. In a recent issue of National Geographic, celebrity dog whisperer Caesar Milan disparaged the White House's treatment of its resident dogs. When you see the President of the United States coming out of Air Force One, you always see the dog in front. When the President goes inside the White House, you see the dog going in first, he said, referencing his assertion that, in the wild, leader wolves never let subordinates go before them and that humans must do the same in order to control domesticated canines. One wonders what Milan will say if America elects a president who has a history of strapping his Irish setter to a car roof. That certainly sounds like a way to exert authority. On family trips in the early 1980s, Mitt Romney routinely put his dog Seamus in an enclosed vented crate strapped to the roof of the family car once the dog got sick, but dogs get sick inside cars too. A recent public policy polling found that more than a third of respondents said the incident made them less likely to vote for Romney. But I find the whole thing trivial and certainly more forgivable than some widely condoned forms of animal cruelty, like dog racing, which was legal in Massachusetts during Romney's gubernatorial term. The Romneys at least had their hearts in the right place. They've argued that Seamus liked his crate and was happier traveling on vacation with his family than he would have been alone at a kennel. When it comes to transporting dogs and cars, few of the methods used in the 20th century would be considered humane by today's standards. The car seat barriers, restraints, and booster seats for dogs that are sold today were not widely available in the 1980s. At that time, Massachusetts didn't yet require seatbelts for humans. Animal welfare is subjective. When I questioned Scott Critter, founder of the Dogs Against Romney Facebook group, he admitted he'd never spent much time considering the widespread use of things I consider unnecessarily cruel, like electric shock collars or keeping dogs chained outside. I believe that for all of our best intentions as dog owners, America is home to a lot of unhappy dogs. As an animal trainer who uses non-aversive science-based methods to manipulate dog behavior, I am dismayed by the number of people I see using force, pushing, and yelling in attempts to control dogs. I'm saddened that more people use the harsh methods of unschooled television personalities than follow the animal training advised of, uh, sorry, than, than following the animal training advice of revered scientists like B.F. Skinner and Ivan Pavlov. Are they misinformed? Maybe. Do they have different ideas than I do about what constitutes animal cruelty? Sure. But I'd still classify most of them as loving dog owners, and I'd put the Romneys in that category. Were he to take the highest office, Romney would be joining a long line of presidents who've made arguably questionable decisions regarding the first dogs. For example, the White House released an Easter video of President Obama's dog, Bo, wearing bunny ears. Bo doesn't look too bothered by the getup he was forced to wear, but one could argue that the stunt was Obama implicitly encouraging the current fad of putting dogs in clothing and elaborate costumes. Each Halloween, I watch parades of pups who often look terrified about the massive bumblebees and tutus that have suddenly enveloped, it, enveloped them. For all they know, they're doomed to wear Princess Leia buns for eternity, a torturous fate indeed. One of the more famous dog lovers-in-chief was Lyndon B. Johnson, who tried to sneak one of his five dogs into his daughter's wedding. But he also was widely lambasted for lifting his beagles, her and him, off the ground by their ears. Bill Clinton's chocolate lab, 
Buddy, was acquired just before Lewinsky Gate. The dog worked hard to boost his owner's approval ratings and was often present during photo opportunities. However, the Clintons proved neglectful dog owners. In 2002, Buddy was run over by a car outside his family's Chappaqua home, a tragedy that could have been averted by a humane dog management device, a fence. He was the second family dog to have been killed by a car. Then there are those past presidents whose treatment of dogs seemed to trump their ethical treatment of humans. According to psychologist Stanley Corrin in his book, The Paw Prince of History, John F. Kennedy's groundskeepers feared they'd lose their jobs if they reported bites incurred by his beloved Welsh setter, Charlie. Herbert Hoover punished his staff for being too nice to his German shepherd. He worried that the dog liked them more than him. And Franklin D. Roosevelt was several times accused of using treasury money to transport his dogs on planes. Exactly how winding is the road that leads from the exemplary treatment of pets to the proper treatment of other humans? It's crooked enough that one hopes we never end up with anyone emulating the 20th century leader who may have been most concerned with animal rights, one who didn't eat meat, discouraged tail docking, wanted fish anesthetized before slaughter, and outlawed the poor treatment of animals in movies. That famous dog lover? Hitler. Thank you so much for listening. And special thanks to Bill and Lizzie of Toast Garden for the amazing theme song. You can find Toast Garden at youtube.com slash toastgarden. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping at storefortheDogs.com. And you can learn more about us at schoolforthedogs.com. You can also connect with other listeners by downloading our brand new app, to visit schoolforthedogs.com slash community.